0: Thanks for joining us on the New Beginnings Podcast, where our goal is to help people connect with Christ. We hope you enjoy listening. But you're here, part four of our miracle series, we have been looking at the miracles of Jesus. And what we've seen is, is that there is nothing outside of God's control. That there's nothing that is impossible for Him. And if all things are possible for God and nothing is impossible to our God, then miracles are just a possibility to us. And so I would dare you to say this, like if you ever had a need in your life You've got nothing to lose by asking. You got nothing to lose because all things are possible with God. And we looked at like some incredible miracles, like we looked at the mathematical miracle where God took seven, right, right? We took five pieces of bread and two fishes. And then he didn't just five plus two is not seven. Five plus two was five thousand plus leftovers, and that was nuts. And then there was a geographical miracle where he was twenty miles away, but he said something here and something changed in another little boy over here, and he was healed instantly in that moment. Like, there's that. There, there's another miracle that we looked at where, where there's a molecular miracle where he takes the molecules of H2O and he turns them into molecules of whatever wine is. I'd have to pull that back up and look at the science and I don't even want to. And so, so there's that. Hey, everybody say next week. I'm not lying. It's, we're going to look at the Aquaman miracle. Aquaman miracle. It sounds crazy. You're going to have to trust me on this. Jesus does Y'all know what Aquaman does, right? He controls the fishes. I'm just telling you, Aquaman Miracles next week is going to be awesome. But today... We will look at a visual miracle all throughout the scriptures. Jesus does. And we it, it, there's 34 distinct miracles throughout the gospels. I had to like pick and choose here. I couldn't cover them all or we'd be doing a 34 week series. But, uh, you know, the, the, the point is, is that nothing is impossible with our God. And in some cases he makes the lame walk. In other cases, he raises people that were dead back to life again. He does all kinds of crazy stuff today. He literally opens up Blind eyes, we will call this the visual miracle. I don't know, if if, if, how many of you wear glasses out there? Holy smokes. (laughs) America is going blind, people. (laughs) Holy smokes. Um, Jesus, we need this miracle now more than ever. Anyway, um, wow, I had no idea that this many people wear glasses. I don't know if you've been uh, observing, but like, I've been wearing my glasses lately. I I used to not wear my glasses, and, and I'll tell you what really happened. I went to the eye doctor to have my son checked out, because we were just like, hey, I wonder, let's just get it checked out, let's make sure everything's okay, and this was like a few years ago, and I thought, well, since I'm taking him, I'll have my eyes checked out too, just just for checkup's sake or whatever, and we get in there, and he goes first, and he just passes everything, and everything that's green is green, everything that's red, how many colorblind people in here, yeah, no, okay, wow, well, we're doing good in one area, or you're colorblind, and you don't even know it, nobody told you that you have mismatched outfits on, so... That's proof you have no one that really loves you in this life. Because if they loved you, they would tell you. Anyway, um, so, so he passes, everything's good, everything checks out. But then I get in there and I'm thinking, I'm just going to get, you know, like, yeah, hey, thumbs up, everything looks great. And, and you know, she starts, shoop, 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 and they put you in the thing and then, shoop, 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 and they just keep throwing different stuff at you. And you're like, L, M, K. I don't, you know, you just keep, and then, like, they show you certain things where, like, it's a picture and if you can see what's behind the picture, you're, you know, anyway. And they were like, oh, well, you have a, a stigmatism. And I'm like, okay, I have no... I, I know nearsighted, and I know farsighted. And she goes, basically, your eyeball, instead of being around, is kind of oval, and it just kind of distorts everything a little bit. You don't have a stigmatism about... Oh, dear God. <laughs> this is why we're all at church together. We this is like spirits in here. Anyway... So, so, you know, I'm talking about like your eyeball ain't round, it's oval or something. It just kind of distorts everything. And I didn't know this. Like, I'm not colorblind. All the colors were colors. And she, she starts putting together lenses and putting stuff together. And she goes, here, put these on and then just go walk outside. And I go, I go walk outside and I'm all of a sudden like, oh my gosh, because I had, I started to see stuff. That I had never really seen before. I didn't, I didn't know this. I remember, do you all remember when HD, or I mean, uh, high def HD TVs came out? Like, I remember when HD TV came out, it bothered me. Because when I looked at the screen, it was so crisp and so sharp and so vibrant and so all these things that I was like, this looks fake. This isn't what, this is not even what it really looks like. How do they make it look like this? This is not what it really looks like. And then all of a sudden I put these glasses and I'm like, oh, the world is in high def and I never knew it. The world is crisp and vibrant and has sharp edges and has everything was kind of blurred to me. And I just thought that was normal because when that's all you've ever known, that's just what makes the most sense to you. And I didn't realize. And so like it was like illuminating, like holy smokes, like there's other stuff out there. I didn't know that was out there. There was stuff that was that, that could be seen. That I didn't see before. And I want you to know that Jesus has the ability, not just because I want you to think there's stories and there's multiple stories where he healed blind eyes. There's one where there was a person born blind. Do you know what that means? When you're born blind, um, I want you to think that your mind never begins to take pictures and mental images of things. So, so for example, like if you, let's say you, you, you went blind, but then I said a house, what would come into your mind? A picture. Of a house, we all have mental pictures, right? If I said dog, picture a dog pop up. If I said w- the White House, all of a sudden, boom, you'd get a picture of the White. Can you imagine being born blind? You would have never formed a mental picture of anything in your life, and all of a sudden, Jesus just, tur- and somehow reconnects us all. I don't know if you ever know this, but like when it comes to like babies, you know, babies are born blind. The babies are like technically like like you know like we talk about twenty twenty, they're like twenty two hundred when they're born, and this is why I like touch and feel and holding the kids is so important because in the very very uh, early days and weeks they don't have a sense of sight yet and so this is this is why even like with nursing mothers why the kid will focus on the mom is because all they can do is focus within about 12 inches of their face. They can't see beyond that. And it's not until they get older, and by 18 months, they're just as good as as us. But what happens is, is, is from that birth to 18 months, is when the eye is developing and working this all out. This is what they've even shown too. If you took a baby and put an eye patch over its eye, and then you left it there for 18 months, it would never regain its sight. It would be blind permanently because it's, it's between the cortex and the, and the nerve. All these things are firing and developing. And so this is, this is what we think about. And Jesus has the ability in these stories, and we're going to look at one today, where he takes a blind man I don't know if he was born blind or just kind of went blind, but he somehow reconnects what was going on in the cortex to the central nerve and begins to make it fire again and brings sight back to this person. But again, these stories are not just about them back then and their issues. This is about you. This is about you today. What you need, what, you, what miracles God wants to do in your life. Will you join me real quick here? Mark chapter 10, let's read along together. The Bible says that they, meaning Jesus and his band of merry men, That They came to Jericho as Jesus and his disciples together with a large crowd were leaving the city. A blind man named Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, he was sitting by the roadside begging. When he heard that it was Jesus, he began to shout. Let me say that again. When he heard that it was Jesus, he began to shout. And he shouted, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And many rebuked him and told him to be quiet. And he shouted all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped and said, call the guy. And so they called the blind man. Cheer up, on your feet, he's calling you. And throwing his cloak aside, let me say it again, throwing his cloak aside, he jumped up to his feet and he came to Jesus. What do you want me to do for you? Jesus asked him. And the blind man said, Rabbi, I want to see. Go, said Jesus, your faith has healed you. And immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus along the road. What a fun story. It's just one of these stories that that if you grew up going to church, you may have heard about old blind Bartimaeus. There's probably in some kid's church, there's a song about blind Bartimaeus somewhere. And and this is a guy that, that that it's it's an interesting story. It's a fascinating story, but I want you to put yourselves in the moment. You got to remember, this is first century Palestine outside of Jerusalem. This is, this is like Dirty, dusty roads. This is incredible poverty. This is like hard living. There's no indoor plumbing. There is no Amazon.com. There is no Costco or Trader Joe's. This is literally hand to mouth living. Poverty would have been incredibly harsh, not just for just the regular person that couldn't find work. We're talking about a blind man who could not work. He clearly didn't have family, or family would have probably taken him in and taken care of him. He was an outsider. He was a loner. He was incredibly... It wasn't just that he was blind. The Bible says he was blind, and he was poor. This guy was tore up from the floor up. This guy had gone to Sorrow's Kitchen and licked the pot clean. And, and, and he was in this incredibly bad place in life, What does he hear? The crowd is coming. And what's happening is this, is, is, is because of where this is at in Scripture, we know that Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem to celebrate Passover. And Jerusalem, or not Jerusalem, but Jericho, was basically like a, a, a center point that everybody would have gathered to and then gone to the city the next day because of how long it took to travel from one place to the other. And so with Jesus, he's traveling and he's got these large crowds. And then all this mob of people, These I would say, because the Bible says thousands of people, these large crowds was following with Jesus, and we're headed to Jerusalem, and this incredible miracle takes place. I want to give you six things that I think we get to learn and draw on from this incredible story. These are six lessons from a blind beggar. Number one is this, is that there are no perfect conditions for a miracle. Like, I want you to know, like, there's nothing, there's never going to be a point in time... Where everything just comes together and be like, now is the perfect time. No, as a matter of fact, the very fact that you need a miracle is proof that there's no perfect conditions. Because if there were perfect conditions, you would never need a miracle to begin with. This guy wasn't a bad place. This guy had a very hard life. This guy would have probably been broke and discouraged and, and, and barely hanging on at times. He could have been frustrated in life. And I just want you to know, like, that's. That's where you're going to find yourself at some point in life. You're going to find yourself at some point in life where you feel broke, you're struggling, you're discouraged, you might be depressed, you feel all alone. I don't have help. I don't have people to help. And and this is where he was. There are no perfect conditions for there to be a miracle. Think about this. He was surrounded by what we would guess is, is thousands and thousands of people. Now, I don't know about you, but like Jesus is one man. Have you ever like... Been to a football game on a Sunday, like at, at a football stadium, or been to a, like a large college game, or been to like a You know what it's like to be surrounded by thousands and thousands of people and then to like try to find one person, to try to get to one person. There's nothing about this situation that, that sets him up. And as a matter of fact, what he should have been doing is not, is not looking for Jesus. This would have been prime begging season, right? More people would have been in the city. This would have been like, hey, this is my chance right here. I need to work the streets and get as much money because these are all godly people anyway. If they're headed to Jerusalem, they're headed there for the Passover. They probably got some extra offering money and they're going to hook a brother up. There are no perfect conditions for a miracle. And, and, and you need to get your head wrapped around th- this idea that like, there's no perfect anything. Like, like, Some of us do that, like, well, I don't know the prayer to pray. Well, there's no perfect words. There's no perfect prayer. I mean, you can do the Lord's Prayer, but it was, just a, it was just a model anyway. It wasn't meant to be the prayer. It was the model prayer. So there's no perfect words. There's no perfect circumstance. There's no perfect timing. There's not going to be like a perfect Sunday morning where Pastor Todd preaches the perfect sermon. I've never preached that sermon before. Joanna's not going to sing. You know what? When that, song, when that song hits and Joanna hits that high, ah, that's going to be the perfect. There's no perfect song. There's no perfect sermon. There's no perfect day. There's no perfect prayer. Hey, there's no perfect people. Can, can I get an amen out there? Yeah, there's no perfect. You, you, you shouldn't be like, well, you know what? I know I need God to move in my life. But you know, I need to get some stuff together first. I need to get my life right before I go asking God for a miracle. That's the dumbest thing in the world. That's like, that's like waiting to get better before you go see your doctor. Like, Hold on. Let me get some things fixed before I come see you. That doesn't make any sense. No, you need to be desperate. Just, just know that there's no perfect anything and just... Go for it. And so that's the first thing that I want you to get you to see. Number two is this. is I want you to concentrate on what you have. Not what you don't have. This is where most of us like, get, get tripped up in life. In life, we get our eyes so focused on what we don't have that we, we, we totally miss what God has given us. And because of that, we might miss a miracle moment in our life. Because this is, this is the deal. This is, why sh- this is why window shopping is so bad, right? Because window shopping... This is why like shopping for homes in neighborhoods you can't afford or, or like building cars that you can never buy and getting your mind so fixated on stuff and go mall walking and go like, like if all you do is, is that you're constantly thinking about what you wish you had that you don't have and you will lose sight of what you actually do have. This is what he did. Now was, was Bartimaeus lame? This is a real question. Was Bartimaeus lame? No. So he could get up, he could walk, he could run. What was he a mute? No, so he could shout. Was he deaf? So he could hear. You know what I'm saying? Because what it says is this. It says that blind Bartimaeus heard that Jesus was coming and he began to shout. He heard that Jesus was coming and then he began to shout. He could not see. But the man could hear. And the man could shout. And this is what he did in all of life is like this. It's always about you focusing on what you do have and making the most of what God has given you. And if you do that, I promise you're going you're to stumble eventually into some good things and potentially stumble into a miracle. Typically, they're saying, hey, I don't know all that I don't have, Jesus. I'm asking for that. But this is what I, I do have. As a matter of fact, there's a story in the Old Testament about a woman. They were in incredible famine She had literally made her last meal. Her and her son were about to eat their last meal and then call it quits. That was it. They literally had nothing. And a prophet approaches her and says, hey, God wants to do something great in your life, but I need you to give me what you've got. What do you got? And she goes, I don't have nothing except this one jar of oil. I got that. And he goes, good, give me the jar of oil. And then he does, the prophet does a miracle where he makes the oil multiply and last and last. And she sells the oil to get money so that she can live and survive. But this is the point, though. She says, I got nothing except for this. Well, you got something and it's this. And you got to figure out what your something is in life. This is the same thing with the disciples. The disciples were told, hey, feed the masses. They're like, I got nothing. Little boy comes up, says, I got something. It's not much. Five pieces of bread, two fish. Listen, God doesn't need a lot. David did this. David said, you see that ugly giant? I know he's eight foot something tall, but I will whoop him. (laughs) And he went to the king and said, I will whoop his tail. Don't you ever let him talk to our people like that. God, and he just gives this whole speech. And then the the king says, well, what you got? He said, you got a sword? He goes, no, I don't got a sword. (laughs) He's a teenager. He goes, you got got a shield? I ain't got a shield. You got some armor? I ain't got no armor. He goes, what do you got? I got a sling and I got three rocks. (laughs) I only need one that, that's, that's the point Is that life is all about Figuring out what you got Not what you don't got in life And if you start leaning in And giving God what you do God I'm telling you Miraculous things can happen As a matter of fact There's this, there's this interesting story I just read about this It was an Episcopal bishop He was telling a story About how when he was young He used to tutor a blind student And the story was Is that when the kid was, was about 12 years old There was a chemical explosion And the kid lost his sight And for like months after losing his sight, all he was was mopey and depressed and kind of angry and bitter and all these things. And he said, I observed because I was trying to tutor the kid, but one day the dad had finally had enough. So he looked at his son, he said, John, look, here's the deal. Winter's coming, and them storm windows need to be put on, and you need to get to work and get those things on. I'll be back, and they better be done. Kid's like, are you kidding me? I'm blind. And so he's like, well, fine, you know what, I will do it. And I'll go put him up, and then when I fall and hurt myself, you'll have a blind and a paralyzed kid, how about that? So he gets to work. And he does it. He figures it out. He pushes himself, and he gets the storm windows on. And when he gets them all done, what he discovered was that his dad had never left. And his dad was in the room the whole time watching over him to make sure that he was okay. But the point of the story was this, is that helplessness is worse than blindness is to sit on nothing and just to be sorrowful and depressed and have a pity party and woe is me, like helplessness. That's worse than blindness. You've got to concentrate on what you have. Number three is this, is don't be swayed by public opinion. Think about this. He is, he is sitting there yelling out to Jesus. Now, normally, when we're hurting and, and, and suffering, and you're like, I'm calling on Jesus. Hopefully, you got some good people around you. Be like, amen, I'm going to pray with you. I'm going to believe with you. He did not have those people. He had these shut up people. He had the naysayers. He had the haters because haters going to hate, hate, hate. And so. (laughs) But it says this, it says many rebuked him. They told him to be quiet. And he just kept on shouting all the more. Don't don't be swayed by public opinion. Like there's always critics. There's always haters. Everybody's got an opinion. Most of those opinions are negative and tell you why you won't, you can't, it'll never happen. You'll never like. They're like, well, you should have never married him to begin with. <laughs> yeah, it ain't never gonna work out. He'll never change. She'll never change. You're never gonna. I mean, like, dear Lord, who? Like, I'm telling you, anybody can be a critic in this world, but it takes a man or a woman of faith to like believe for great things to happen, to believe in miracles, to have hope that God can still do the impossible. And you see Jesus do this too. There's stories in the Bible where Jesus went to go heal a person who was incredibly sick and he literally, he took all the mourners and all the criers and all the, he kicked them out. He's like, y'all can't be here. This is a faith moment and I don't need critical people here right now. And he kicked them out of the house. There's another story where it's kind of, kind of similar thing. The Bible says he goes into his hometown. Everybody gets critical. Everybody gets negative, And the Bible says that Jesus could do no miracles there except heal a few people. But then the Bible says that the next day he travels to a new place. They welcome him. They're literally bringing out sick people on stretchers to Jesus. And the Bible says everybody gets healed. What was the difference? Just environment. That was A critical environment, a negative environment, or a faith environment. An environment where people are believing for God to do great things this is where you need to be in life is surrounding yourself hopefully with some good people some faith people some praying people who will get along and say hey look you know what god can do anything let's just believe for the best what do we got to lose number four is this number four is that jesus hears the cries of desperate people listen to listen to what it says the bible says jesus stopped i mean like again thousands of people it was busy it was crowded It was not a perfect environment. It was not perfect circumstances. Look, I bet you Jesus probably had a lot on his mind. Jesus could have been like, hey guys, I'm kind of stressed right now. I don't know if you know this or not, but like in a week, I got to go. They're going to beat me beyond recognition. It's going to be a mock trial. It's all going to go bad. After they beat me beyond recognition, they're going to hang me on a cross. They're going to spit on me. They're going to stab me. I'm going to die. And then there's this bonus thing where not just all the physical pain and torture i go through but somehow all the sins of humanity past present and future are put on me i got a lot on my plate i got other things more important to think about but i want you to think because sometimes we think about that sometimes that crosses our mind god five six billion people in the world do you really hear my prayers aren't you kind of busy Look, I know I'm sick, but aren't there bigger problems in the world? Isn't there more important issues going on? Clearly, you probably don't have time for me as you try to hold this thing all together as if that were a hard thing. But the fact is, is that Jesus does stop. That Jesus heard the cries of the desperate people who needed him. I just want you to get your mind wrapped around that. Six billion people in the world, and he has the ability to hear your prayers. Number five is this, is I want you to take... A practical step of faith. Listen to this. The Bible says, in Mark 10, verse 52, it says, Go, said Jesus, your faith has healed you. Now, I want you to get your head wrapped around that. He says, Go, your faith has healed you. I, I was at first like, God, I don't understand. He didn't do anything. He just was yelling. If that's faith, I can do that. I yell all the time. So, so God, I, I, I... But there's this, there's this part... That was a few scriptures before that where it said that he took his cloak and he threw it aside. That he took his cloak and he threw it aside. Now, here's what you need to know. Like this, this was kind of a big deal in their time. There was such a thing called a beggar's cloak. So back then, to like kind of prevent people from taking advantage of the system and taking advantage of generous people and just kind of like running a scam... To take advantage of everybody, they would actually like, like, so like the different religious people or the different city leaders would say, hey, look, let's, let's, let's investigate and see, okay, yeah, you're, you're jacked up, you're blind, you're hurting, you're really a struggling person, you're a desperate person. And they would give them a beggar's cloak to say, hey, this is to be like, so everybody knows when they see you, hey, this guy is verifiably like hurting and struggling, help this man if you can. And the Bible says that when he got up, before he even got to Jesus, that he took this cloak and he threw it aside. That was the moment of faith. That was the moment where he said, you know what, I'm tossing this to the side. And again, he had heard, he had shouted, now he is moving. He is using everything he has to get to Jesus. He throws away his cloak. Here's a a question that some of us, this is again, this is where you are a part of the story. What is it that you need to cast aside so that you can get to Jesus? Is there something in your life that you need to throw out, that you need to throw aside... For you to actually get to Jesus. Because some of us is our pride. Some of us are stubborn. Some of us think, well, I know what I'm doing. I'm going to do it my way. And because I'm going to do it my way, I can't do it his way. And I won't submit. I won't surrender. And so you know what? Your pride keeps you blind and begging. You won't throw it away. There's other things in our life. What is it in your life? Maybe it's a relationship. Maybe it's a person. You're like, hey, look, I have just gone ahead and just outright chosen that person... Over Jesus. I've elevated that person in my life. I've allowed that person to influence and to control and to dictate. And I'm allowing that. I'm telling you there's just certain sins. There's certain people. There's certain things in your own heart. That need to be cast aside. So that you can actually get to Jesus. Lastly number six is this. And we'll close up. The Bible says. Go. Your faith has healed you. And then it says, immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus along the road. I want you to know this, like the the, the sixth and final point is this, is I want you to follow Jesus when times are good. Isn't it easy? Like when times are desperate, we pray. When we're hurt up enough, man, we'll go to church. For some of us, that would even be our story. If I were to say, hey, what is your story? You would say, hey, look, I was going through this in my life and I was so desperate and I knew I needed God and so I went back to church or I started going to church and hey, I am all for that. Whatever it takes to get you following Jesus. But say, here's the deal. Here's what I know as a pastor. Just an observer of human nature. Is that sometimes being desperate is what gets you back going to church but then wait until everything smooths out. And now all of a sudden I've got some prayers answered or my life is back on track or I finally got the job or I got the house or i moved. you know, things, things are better now. And there's something about that that just kind of just settles us into complacency. And now it's like we don't need God anymore or we at least act that way. Well, all of a sudden it's like we can, we can say, hey, look, I'm fine. We start missing church or we start, we used to read our Bible because we needed the, the, the strength of God's word in us. And now it's like, man, I haven't read my Bible in weeks or months now. Skipping church is easy. I used to worship and I used to cry out during worship because I was desperate. Now I can barely clap my hands and all of a sudden complacency just steps in. I'm telling you there's something that needs to stir within us that says, hey, you know what? Even after I get my prayers answered and life gets back on track, that's not that time to bail. That's the time to follow even closer. And it says that he did that. It says that after he received his sight, he followed Jesus. That's where I want you to be in life is I want you living in the miraculous. But even after the miraculous hits your life, I want you following Jesus even closer. Because here's the deal. The most important thing in life is not seeing. It's following Jesus. If you're lame, the most important thing in life is not not walking again. If your relationship and marriage is totally fractured, listen, I want God to restore and repair and do something incredible. It's not the most important thing. God forbid we reconcile our marriage and then leave Jesus. God forbid God heal and do something miraculous. Sometimes, again, it's, it's in our finances. We're so desperate. God, I, we need a breakthrough, and we're in this, and God, if I could get this raise or this job or this... And then all of a sudden we get it. It would be a crime to be wealthy and prosperous and then stop following Jesus. But this is the story of the man. Blind Bartimaeus. See... You and I are all going to, at some point in our life, desperately need a miracle. It's going to wrench our heart. Something's going to happen. It could be with a kid. It could be with a loved one. It could. Be, I, don't, I don't know. What, at some point in our life, we're going to desperately need a miracle. It is my prayer today that you do what Blind Bartimaeus does, is that you go ahead and dismiss the naysayers. You throw aside the cloak. You start shouting. You start running. You do whatever it takes to get close to Jesus, because that is your best and only shot at a miracle. And when it happens, stay close to Jesus. Let's pray this morning. Father, I pray for these great people. God, I pray that in our hearts we would always, always, always be open to you. That, God, we would hear about you. That we would shout for you. That we would walk towards you. That, God, we would cast aside maybe the the sins in our heart, God. That we would cast aside anything that would prevent us from being and getting to you, Lord. Father, I pray for the needs that are here today, God. There are people in here today who need a miracle. Who need you to do something divine. Something incredible. Something that seems to defy the odds and somehow bend or break the rules. We need you today, God. We are desperate for you. God, help us to pursue you with all of our heart, with all of our soul, and all of our strength, Lord. That is my prayer today in Jesus' name. And we all said, amen, amen. Amen. Give the Lord a big hand clap today. Thanks again for listening to the New Beginnings podcast. For more information on New Beginnings Church, please visit us online at nbchurch.tv.